Let's take our Bibles tonight and uh, let's go ahead and bring that slide up on the screen, uh, shall we? I believe tonight that uh, some of the verses I'm going to be talking about are some of the most well-known and well-loved verses. If you were to um, just ask for someone to say, hey, what's your, what's your favorite verse in the Bible? My suspicion is that uh, one of these that we'll talk about is one of the first ones that will pop up because it, everybody just really loves it. Thinking about that verse, uh, what is it, why is it that that verse is so beneficial? Why is it that it is so helpful? And I think part of the answer tonight is that it's, it would be because it gives us such tremendous guidance that the Lord can really help us to understand the guidance that he alone can give. And that's what we're really after tonight is the Bible promises on guidance as part of this uh, this uh, discussion on the joy of journaling. One of the comments, we'll, we'll come back at some point and talk about this, but this is really very, very intriguing to think about what it means to make disciples. And one of the reasons I would say it this way is so that we kind of understand how it proceeds from God the Father through you to others. And this would include your own children. The servant songs in Isaiah really demonstrate that God the Father discipled his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you know, when you read about this in the Gospels and you see, you can see something about the, the birth of the Lord Jesus and, and eight days after he was dedicated uh, there in the temple. And then, you know, when he was 12 years of age and you know the comments about uh, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. But part of the question is, how'd that happen? How, how was it that, that Jesus Christ really grew? And one of the things that keeps showing up is that he did what he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the reasons that's really helpful to us is when it talks about in Philippians that he emptied himself. Uh, one of our old hymns, I'm glad it was modified, it used to say, emptied himself of all but love, and that's not right. In our, in our majesty hymnal now, he says, emptied himself because of love. That's, that's a whole lot better. If you'll hear, and I, I actually, believe it or not, have heard it said from our pulpit and had to go to someone and say, mm, careful, don't please understand what you're saying there. Uh, I've heard people say that, that God gave up some of his attributes, that Jesus Christ gave up some of his attributes. Uh, not true. He, it, that would mean that he is not God. What he did give up was the independent exercise of some of his privileges. And you can see that in places where... Jesus Christ says, uh, only my father knows uh, the day of my coming, the day of my return. Only the father knows. And so one of the things that's really intriguing there is why did, why did they do that? Why did God the father um, disciple and, and work through his son? And this is where it gets really, really intriguing. Isaiah 42, Isaiah 49, Isaiah 50, Isaiah 52, 53. Some people would include Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, because Jesus quoted that when he was uh, in the ministry there in uh, the synagogue in Nazareth. But here are the kind of things that show up, that, that the Messiah, this is prophesied about the Messiah, that he will say, the Lord awakens my ear morning by morning. Now catch these words that I might know how to speak a word to him that is weary in due season. Okay, Do you know people who are weary? 
do you know people who are just, I mean, they're just worn out and they're fatigued through various kinds of difficulty and problems and things that are coming into their lives. How is it that we can speak a word to him that is weary in due season? And here's the really fascinating part. It goes all the way back to the ministry that God the Father had with God the Son. In fact, I think, and, and I'm willing to be challenged on this. One of the reasons I say that is I've never read this in a book, okay? So if, 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 so if I haven't read it somewhere, I'm always thinking, have I got this exactly right? But I think I can bear this out from Scripture that the scripture speaks in the servant songs of the discipleship of Jesus and then the discipleship by Jesus and then making disciples for Jesus. Okay, what are we doing today? We're making disciples for Jesus Christ. Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, 20, go make disciples. 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things which you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So we understand that, that there is this discipleship for Jesus Christ. We are making disciples for him. By the way, we're all making disciples. We all know that, right? I mean, we all know that we are making disciples. You say, yeah, I don't, I'm not, I don't, can I promise you that we are talking about something? Deuteronomy 6 talks about this. When you, when you rise, when, when you rise up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, when you're walking by the way, you and I are talking to our children, our grandchildren about something. We are talking with our colleagues and our friends about something. What is it that we are talking to them about? What is it that we are discipling them in? Is it merely just the elements and principles of this world? Or is it actually after Christ? Well, here's the great encouragement. God the Father set the pattern in those servant songs in Isaiah. He, there was the discipleship of Jesus Christ and what he did in the life of Jesus Christ so that Jesus Christ would know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary, he did exactly the same thing with the disciples. And we'll see a little bit of that tonight. That's the discipleship, not only, as I say, of Jesus Christ, but then the discipleship by Jesus Christ and the discipleship for Jesus Christ. That'll be a whole message we'll come back to sometime here in the future. The reason I bring it up tonight is... This is, in essence, what we are doing with the joy of journaling is we are trying to learn, hey, where can I get that, that one thought that I might be able to use when someone is weary or someone is saying, hey, I, don't, I just don't know exactly what to do now or I really need guidance, I really need understanding. That's the whole point behind what we're trying to do with the joy of journaling is to go and say, Let's, let's kind of zoom in and look at particular topics and particular ideas and see how those would work. So let's just dive into it tonight, shall we? I'm going to give you a couple of long passages so that we can sort of sort through it, and I'll give you a couple of short ones, and I'll go back to a long one here. Here's John 14, verses 4 through 7. How's the start? Remember this? Let not your heart be troubled. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. He, Jesus Christ, on that occasion, used the engagement ceremony. Just imagine what it was like, you know, for couples, a husband, a wife, others, family members all gathered together. And here's this young man, and he is 
proclaiming his devotion and his love for this young lady and he desires to be engaged to her and he says to her, I go to prepare a place for you. That usually meant he was going to build an addition on his parents' house. I go to prepare a place for you that uh, where I am there you may be also. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. In other words, the, the actual marriage ceremony. That where I am, there you may be also. Here's Jesus Christ as he is preparing to go through what the Bible would refer to as his passion in Acts chapter 1. A terrible, excruciating time. And what is he doing? He's encouraging his own disciples by saying, uh, I go to prepare a place for you. And then he says to them, and whether whether I go, this is verse 4 there on the screen, where I go you know and the way you know. Okay. Thomas speaks up, and Thomas says, Lord, um, we don't know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Okay, I'm back to a question that I've asked on several occasions, and here goes again. Which one is easier to follow, a set of principles or a person? And my answer to that is, it's a person that's easier to follow. Look what Jesus Christ says here in verse 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way. Okay, if tonight is about Bible promises for guidance, can you see that first and foremost, just as we've talked about who Jesus Christ is on several occasions now, uh, latter, the latter couple of verses in Second Corinthians chapter 1, that in him are all the promises of God, yea and amen. Last week we talked about he is our wisdom, he is our redemption, I'm sorry, our righteousness and our sanctification and our redemption. Well, here we are again tonight. If we're going to talk about the promises of God, the first thing we want to talk about is the person of God. For those of you going through the Bible reading right now, you've read about the children of Israel uh, disobeyed the Lord and they murmured against him. And the Lord says, okay, you're going to go into the promised land. You're going to go with my angel, but my presence is not going to go with you. And what does Moses say? He says, Lord, 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 if you're not going with us, we don't want to go. In other words, Moses wasn't in love with the Lord's blessings. He wasn't involved in, in, in love with just the fact that an angel would take him. And he said, no, 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 Lord. We want your presence. We, we want you personally to go with us, just as he had been a cloud of, of um, fire, pillar of fire for them in the wilderness and a, a um, cloud for shade at night. So here Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth of life. Thomas says, what? what Uh, Do we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And he said, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Okay, if we're looking for guidance tonight, I would just point out that what we have right here in verse 6 is he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. I, I personally am the one that you would follow. And so, for instance, when you wrestle with, hey, what do I do next? Well, the, the really good question to ask is, what would Jesus do? Now, when Sheldon wrote that book, what would Jesus do? 
He never did answer it from Scripture. That was kind of a frustrating book. Uh, I read, I heard about it years ago. My mother used to talk about that book. Oh, you know, uh, in his steps and what would Jesus do? But then when I actually read the book, I realized, wait a minute, he's giving you all kind of thoughts from himself. He never does get down to actual Scripture and say, here's what Jesus would do. I mean, our memory verse tonight, we talked about, in your word do I hope. Never did get around to that. Well, we know that if we're going to get real guidance, it all begins with who God is and especially who Jesus Christ is. The Lord is my shepherd, he would say. Here he would point out he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by him. And so we'll come back to your journals here in just a few moments. But if you're going to look for promises for guidance and say, Lord, I, I want guidance in every area of my life. Where would you begin? Jesus Christ said, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, the life. How would you apply that? Well, in passages such as in Mark chapter 1, remember that he says to the disciples, he says, come after me or follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. That's, that's very comforting. When, when you and I are trying to wrestle with, uh, how do I, I just on this um, couple days I was with some preachers and, and one preacher said to me, he said, yeah, I just feel such, like I'm such a coward. I, I just couldn't really share the gospel with someone that I really wanted to share the gospel with. And I think we've all faced that. We've all faced that kind of, you know, do I, do I really want to say something here? Here's what Jesus said. He said, if you will come after me, I will make you to become fishers of men. Okay, do you know how to make yourself into a fisher of men? You say, I, I don't know how to do that. Okay, do you know how to follow Jesus? Hey, we do know how to follow Jesus. Jesus said, if you do that, then I will make you to become fishers of men. And especially after what we looked at last week with the whole sufficiency of who Jesus Christ is. Why? He that glories, let him glory in the Lord, that no flesh should glory in his presence. It's really about the Lord Jesus, and it's about him and getting to know him better in order to understand how to go through so many difficulties in life. Let's go through a couple of short ones, shall we? Here's the one I would nominate as probably the most well-known verse in the Bible. How many of you could quote this? If I took it off the screen, how many of you could quote this? All right, let's try it, shall we? Trust in the... with... And in and see, we know this one really, really well. Well, that's a tremendous verse on guidance. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Part of your heart? Nope, all of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean to your own understanding in the same context. He says, be not wise in your own eyes. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. Okay. All right. Lord, look at the look at the conditions here. If I first of all trust in the Lord with all my heart, okay? And by that I mean that I do not lean to my own understanding. In fact, what it means in in all my ways I try to know him. I try to I try to acknowledge him. What's he going to do for us? What's the promise that's there on the screen? That he will direct our paths. That's what we know, that the Lord is going to direct our paths. Do we want him to be our 
leader, our guide, our shepherd. Right. Okay. So what do we do? Trust in the Lord. And what? Don't lean to my own understanding. You know, what's, what's my most natural tendency? We talked about this in my Sunday school class. I've talked to the guys about it. You know, my most natural tendency would be besetting sin would be self-sufficiency. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, I probably won't need to pray about this one because, you know, I think I can take care. No, no, the Lord says, no, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That is a tremendous verse. If you do not have that one memorized, let me encourage you to memorize that one and just think about what the Lord could do in your life through that. Let's look at another short one, shall we? This is a tremendous verse, Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Question, do you see your Bible that way? Now, today we have these super powerful halogen flashlights, right? I mean, you can blind people with them. And, and I've seen a couple of them and I thought, wow, I think that could almost really do damage to your eyes. Well, that's not what they had back then. They had these little oil lamps. That's what it usually was, an oil lamp. They just found one. There were school, and this is amazing. There were school kids out on a field trip in Israel recently. And one kid looked down and said, hey, what's that right there? And lo and behold, it was a Roman oil lamp. That, that nobody else had picked up. And so, you know, wow, we want to go over to Israel and be looking around and see if you can find these kind of things. That little oil lamp is what he has in mind here. He says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So the idea is, uh, what, where do I put my, where do I take my next step? Where do I, where do I put my foot next? That little halo of light that would come around and, and help you to understand which way to go. That is a tremendous principle for guidance. Uh, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Okay, now think about the way this is developing here. Okay, first of all, it's the person of the Lord Jesus. He himself says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So it's personal. He is as a person. And so what should we do, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Well, if he is the way, the truth, and the life, what should we do? Trust in the Lord with all our heart. Lean not to our own understanding. That would get us in real trouble. And in all our ways acknowledge him. He shall direct thy paths. The message we looked at this last uh, Sunday morning about Mystery Babylon and what we're going to look at this week in Revelation chapter 18, there's a sense in which Mystery Babylon is the ultimate embodiment of leaning to your own understanding. I mean, that's, that's the Antichrist approach. Don't, you don't need the Lord. Don't trust in the Lord. Just lean to your own understanding. So here we learn, no, he's the way, the truth, and the life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He shall direct your paths. Dave Doran preached here years ago, and one of the comments he made was this. When the Bible talks about praying without ceasing, and you wonder, yeah, how in the world do you do that? How do you, how do you pray without ceasing? And one of the comments, which I thought was a really excellent application he made, was this. Don't, don't think about something without praying about that something. Now, okay, now what does that imply? That implies that we are already in a spirit of prayer you could go back to George Mueller where he talked about making himself perfectly happy in the Lord. The idea is getting that one thought from God's word that you're kind of using to pray uh, throughout the day and pray for others. 
And then you would, you would approach it from the standpoint of, you know, I'm going to begin this day in a spirit of prayer, in a spirit of depending on the Lord and not leaning to my own understanding. And I just want to go through this day continually trusting in the Lord and, and asking the Lord for his guidance and to uh, see how he would guide me so that when you face that next big project or that next big problem or that next big, you know, something that happens, if you're in a spirit of prayer, you're immediately interceding before the throne of grace about, Lord, what do I do now? Lord, please help me. Lord, please give me wisdom about how do I, how do I make this next step and what do I do? So if you apply it that way, he's the way, the truth, and the life, and we are to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, then doesn't it make perfect sense that he would come back to Psalm 119.105, that you and I would come back to Psalm 119.105 and say, okay, this much I know, this is where I begin, in, in all the darkness that is around me, here's what I know. I know, Lord, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When I don't know, what do I do now? What, how do I approach this situation? We go to the Word, and the Lord turns a light on, and uh, you can pray and say, Lord, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. So I, I said I'd give you a long one and two shorts, and here comes another long one. Now we're going to play that game of I spy, okay? Here's what we know we're looking for. We know we're looking for Bible promises on guidance, just to know what do I do next. Now let's take a larger, larger passage. This is Psalm 32, verses 7 through 9. And while you're contemplating that on the screen, I'll just tell you, Psalm 32 is one of the penitential psalms. It would be very much like Psalm 51, as David is repenting uh, and crying out to the Lord. Years ago, one of my seminary professors, I asked him down here to speak. His name was uh, Dr. Robert McCabe, and he spoke on Psalm 32. It was one of the best expositions of Psalm 32 I've ever, ever seen. There was a man in our church who, unbeknown at the time, had a very, very serious sin problem. And none of us were aware of it. He had not told anybody. When he broke and he began to repent, he actually referred to a couple of messages. And one of the messages he referred to was the message that Dr. McCabe had given from Psalm 32 and how that really helped him. So it's a good reminder of how the Word of God turns us. You know, it's, it's doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness is constantly turning us. So look what he says here in Psalm 32. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt, old English word here is compass. We would say today surround. You will surround me about with songs of deliverance. That's a really interesting way to think, isn't it? That when we're we're repenting and we're crying out to the Lord, that one of the things he says to the Lord, he says, Lord, you are my hiding place. Remember what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden? What did they do? They, they hid from the voice of the Lord in the cool of the garden. They wrapped themselves up in, in fig leaves trying to hide from the Lord. He says, Lord, you are my hiding place. You preserve me in trouble. You compass me or surround me with songs of deliverance. That is just such a beautiful and poetic way of saying that. Now look what he says in verse 8. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. He says in verse 9, look, don't be like the horse or the mule who have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle. And, you know, you kind of have to 
force them to do something. Uh, those of you who have ridden horses, you know, you got the bit and the bridle and you got to kind of force them to do something. So what's he really appealing for here? Well, he is saying, look, don't, don't be like the horse and the mule. No, uh, those have no understanding. What should we do? And do you see that biblical promise for guidance? It's right there in the middle of the screen. If you look at verse eight, this is a tremendous principle to be able to remember. Here's what the Lord says to someone who is repenting, to someone who's crying out to the Lord. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. I had that verse in devotions now more than 40 years ago, and it just really jumped out at me. Here's what the Lord's saying. He's saying, I, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you shall go. I will guide you with mine eye. And when he says, I will guide you with mine eye, the picture there is of, of a master or, or the mistress of a home, the, the lady of a house, I should say it that way. And, and uh, they're having some sort of a gathering. And the maidservant just looks to the face of the lady of the house, and the lady just looks at something. I mean, she just looks, and immediately the eyes of that servant go to that and realize, oh, I know exactly what she's talking about. I mean, just just the most subtle little indications. It's those kind of things that help us to see, okay, if, if the Lord says, I am the way, the truth, the life. And he says, don't be like the horse and mule then. He says, look, I, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you shall go. I will guide you with mine eye. My, my, my word is a lamp to your feet. You can trust in the Lord. He will direct your paths. So if you were using the journals tonight, here's basically the way that you could approach it. You would write down that Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father. And as I put there on the screen, you would say, here's a, here is a promise for guidance that Jesus Christ in, in his person, this, this is who he is. He says, I am the way. So he gives us guidance. Jesus is the way. When I follow Jesus, I follow God's way. That would be a tremendous principle to remember. Now, think about what you're doing here again. You're pre-planning life, right? You're, you're pre-planning your obedience. Ooh, what am I going to do the next time I'm trying to figure out, uh, what do I do here? How do I... Remember, a good starting place would be Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Doing the same thing with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, as I say, probably some of the most best love verses. Every time I've heard uh, over the years, when I've heard people say my favorite verses in Scripture, that's probably number one. That, of all the ones I've heard, that's probably number one for most people is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And, and the reason would be it's a tremendous promise for direction. He will direct your paths. That's conditional. You have to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, be acknowledging him. But he promises he will direct our paths. And then, of course, Psalm 119, 105 that we had on the screen there a moment ago, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This is why we desperately need to get in the Word every morning and seeking after the Lord. By the way, you might say, uh, I'm not a morning person. Okay, I've, I've heard people say, that. okay, if you're, you're not a morning person, you get up in the morning and it's like, Mm-mm, you know, I'm just like, there's just not even. Then, the night before, before you go to sleep, make up your mind, okay, I'm going to really tr- concentrate on getting that one thought in the evening 
before I go to sleep. And by the way, if you're like me, you find that you keep, when you do wake up in the middle of the night, it's the first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, you know, I, I had, I read uh, the other night, um, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. I think every time I woke up that night, just to, you know, change positions, or, uh, uh, that's the first thing that would come to my mind. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And you do that the night before, and the next morning when you get up and you're sort of still in a daze and you're not a coffee drinker or whatever it is, uh, you, you can at least have the verse uh, on your mind. And then, of course, this wonderful promise in um, uh, Psalm 32, verse 8. The Lord says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you shall go. I will guide you with mine eye. And remember, this is someone who is repenting. This is someone who is Really, this is David. This is a penitential psalm. And you recognize Psalm 51, Psalm 32. You know what he's talking about. Just a really, really terrible sins. But he knows that here's what the Lord promised him. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. So these are promises for guidance that you and I can use and just trust in the Lord in. As we are reading along in our Bibles, be looking for those promises for guidance because he will most certainly give them to you. Let's bow together for a word of prayer, shall we? And then divide up for our prayer groups tonight. Lord, it is such a pleasure and such a, a security and confidence and assurance to know that you do give us promises that guide us. And Lord, we praise you for that. We almost just want to sing standing on the promises because that's exactly what you're doing for us, is giving us that kind of guidance and that kind of assurance. So, Lord, we're asking tonight that you would be pleased and honored as we search for you, as we think your thoughts after you in the Word of God, that you would help us to read and find and retain and renew and review these wonderful promises from your Word in order that we might know how to face the days ahead. And, Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's divide up for our prayer groups tonight, shall we?